Stone Pickwick Sermon Discussion Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into the previous week's sermon and explore thoughts and ideas that we didn't have time for in the sermon. My name is Jamie Wellman, one of the pastors here at Cornerstone. And I'm Steve Mentor, one of the pastoral candidates here at Cornerstone. And if you haven't heard the sermon that we're talking about yet, you can find that on cornerstonepickwick.org forward slash resources. The sermon that we are talking about is entitled Jesus First in Parenting. From Colossians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. We pray that it is helpful. Steve, how you been, man? How was your week? How was your weekend? Week was good. Uh, I got to be outside, siding a house. So that was that was excellent. We had some nice weather this week. We had some not so nice weather. So, you know, Thursday wasn't wasn't great, but we were able to still keep busy for the day on the job doing things that didn't include being out in the rain. Um, so the week was good. Um, kids are doing real good. Definitely ready for all of this stay-at-home stuff to be done. Yeah. You know, we're... Um, I think everyone is because I, I went into to Lowe's today to get some stuff. I, I'm, I'm doing a, a little project in my basement. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, cutting out the basement floor and digging a hole underneath my house and putting in a sump pit and all that kind of stuff, pouring some concrete back and all those. Uh, you doing that all by yourself? Yeah, yeah I'm going to do yeah. it by myself because I'm nuts. Um, and I don't have the money to pay somebody else to do it. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And So went in there to get that, and there's just – Lowe's was packed. There's just groups of people standing around chatting. Everyone just, I mean, we live in Greenville, so, I mean, it's a bunch of farmers anyway, and that they just don't care. And uh, so we're just, there's so many people. The roads are just jam-packed with people. Everyone just saying, yep, we're done. And so eventually the governor, I think, is just going to have to decide, well, I'm just going to have to go with people on this one. <laughs> <and be> done. <laughs> well, th- at the time of recording this, tomorrow he's supposed to give an address, and, and Lord willing, they'll begin to slowly sort of open things back up. It seems that, by the Lord's grace, um, the, th- the curve, as they say, has been flattened, and it's sort of on the tail end. It seems like it's declining. New cases are declining, and uh, we're... Hopeful that things will begin to open up soon, that we'll be able to gather here in this place on a Sunday morning. But as of right now, we're still doing the videos, still doing the the YouTube thing. Um, I've become a TV preacher, which is a unique thing. Um, yeah. Proud to say. Um, expecting already a, put in a call to TBN. Yeah, well, get I'm expecting, you slot. expecting a raise from the congregation because I'm a TV preacher. And uh, I need to start doing, I need to start selling those like handkerchiefs that I'll pray over them. And I can sell them to people, and they'll get blessed when they pay me. Isn't that how it works? You're going to get blessed when they pay you. <laughs> but uh, I, I hope you're keeping your expectations of a race low. Um, I am. Because I, I don't foresee that happening. Just, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Well, so today we're talking about the sermon that we're calling Putting Jesus First in uh, parenting. It's in the middle of a series that uh, we're preaching through the book of Colossians, and uh, we're in chapter 3 into chapter 4, where uh, the Apostle Paul is getting real practical. You know, as Paul does in most of his epistles, he starts off with a lot of the indicatives about who God is, uh, what Jesus has done for us. And the whole book of Colossians is about the preeminence of Christ, about how Jesus is first in all things. And then it sure seems like when he gets to chapter 3, 
towards the end of chapter three, he starts to show how we need to put Jesus first in all areas of our life. And he gets real practical. Mm -hmm. Last week, uh, we talked about how to put Jesus first in our marriage. And then now we're going to be looking at putting Jesus first in parenting and shepherding children. And so... um, what sort of what sort of things stood out to you from that particular passage? Well, I mean, well, you have it, this is uh, verse twenty and twenty one is what we looked at today. It's children obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Um, I mean, and, and this is something that we pointed out last week is. The section we're working on starts in verse 17, and it says, Whatever you do in word and deed, and everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God Father. So that is the antecedent. That's the that's the, the driving idea of whatever you do as a wife, as a husband, as a child, as a father. Um, he doesn't specifically mention mothers here, but... Um, so just, and, and that is something that stood out to me, is that he doesn't specifically mention mothers here. He mentions fathers. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children. And um, do you think that there's a reason for that? Do you think that Paul is communicating that women should have no responsibility towards disciplining children? Or do you take this to be a statement to fathers to, I mean, wh- why, why the omission? Any, any thoughts about that? I don't. I don't know. I mean, off the top of my head, I know mothers are, tend to be more nurturing, so they're going to be less, probably less provoking than fathers are anyway. I mean, if you look at the male spe- the, the the male sex across species, I mean, male lions eat their young. So, I mean, <laughs> there there is something there about being male and, and being and, and with children. I know uh, we're fathers aren't known to be as tender. As it were, I mean, you hear so many stories of, of people who grew up with with dads who were just hard, and they they never said "I love you." You know they did, but they they didn't say it. There was just the expectations of masculinity on culture throughout history is, and, and men are men are the ones who they're out working. They don't they, they'll play with their kids, but it's definitely more a, a roughhouse type of a play. Um, where like when, when my wife plays with the kids, you know, Waylon loves Legos. So he's sitting there, he's building his Legos. Well, he doesn't build, he, he wants you to build for him. And so Alyssa sits there, she builds stuff with, and she'll find the instructions online and she'll build things, making sure that all the colors are right and everything. When I play with the kids, we play a game called Bulldog, where I pretend like I'm asleep on the floor and they have to try to wake me up and then get back on the couch before I eat them, you know? And so there's a, there's a difference mm-hmm. in the way that we play with our kids. Yeah, yeah. Like when I go outside with the kids, we go out and we... Like, we were having a treasure hunt the other day. So I would hide something, and then I would give them clues, and they'd have to go find it. And So there, there's just a difference in the way dads relate to their children. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, with Esten. So Esten's seven, eight months old now. My wife is way better at getting him to go to sleep than I am. Probably because he starts crying, and I get up tight, and I get fresh. I'm like, I just, how, how, do, I, how do I fix it? You know, how do I just... How do I make him go to sleep right now? And and so yesterday she she's wanted to do a little uh, mowing, and so I was like, "Well, I'll take care of Eston." So she was out mowing the grass, and I'm trying to get Eston to go to sleep. 
and I can't. I'm upstairs. I'm downstairs. I'm outside. I'm in the chair. I'm walking around the house trying to get him to go to sleep, and he'll almost fall asleep and then not, and then. So she comes in, and I was like, I'm going to go mow. And I, I went outside. I get on the mower. I come back in a little while later because Mo ran out of gas. And she's like, oh, yeah, he was asleep within five minutes. So there's there, – there, I think partly that has to do with there's just a difference in the way fathers relate to their children. But that, that difference – it's important that there are fathers, but it's important that fathers realize – that and we we don't want fathers to become like mothers but we have to keep ourselves as fathers in check in the way that we relate to our kids we can't just get super frustrated like yesterday i was super frustrated about something i tried to go get something from lowe's and the store was there there was like 25 people standing out outside in line to wait and get in the store and so i'm frustrated and i'm you know, muttering under my breath, like, this is just stupid. And I'm just driving home. And Waylon's like, why you say stupid? And I'm like, <laughs> crap. <laughs> like, I, I got to watch what I say because I got this little kid. He's listening to every single thing that I say. Yeah, he is. And so I can't be reactionary with him and or with, with situations around me because he's drinking that in. Mm-hmm. And how I model – being a father, this is something you mentioned in your sermon about fathers, the way that they model character for their children teaches their children something about who God is. Mm-hmm. And the question is, is are we teaching them something that's true or are we teaching them something that's false by our activity about who God is? Yeah. Yeah, after after the sermon, I mean, it's a weird thing to hear yourself say this about fathers and to be listening to yourself say this about fathers with your kids in the room. And uh, so after after the sermon today, um, I took the opportunity to just talk to the kids and just say, you know, daddy's, you know, uh, daddy's not a perfect dad. And I mess up a lot of times. You guys know how many times I've messed up. I took the opportunity to just share with the kids just to say, you know, I don't always get it right. And I need Jesus just as much as you need Jesus. And uh, one of the points, I think the main point that I tried to make in this message was that parenting is discipling. And what is discipling, and how exactly do we mean parenting is discipling? For starters, I mean, if you want to look, we're not going to get super deep into that right now, I don't think, um, just because of we have other things we're trying to get to. But if you want a little bit longer discussion about discipleship, we did record, a, 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 I think it was our first podcast. It might have been. Uh, was about discipleship, Christ-forming discipleship. But as far as parenting goes, how is parenting discipleship? Um, it is the, you have that the verse in Deuteronomy. Um, I cannot remember the... the six, seven. Six, seven. So it's, it's talking, it's telling parents that they are to teach these things. And, and the these things is the law of God. It's about um, who God is. There's this this thing called the Shema, the it, which was um, the this thing that the, the Israelites would quote: "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one." Right, and and so those are the these things. It's what is who is God and what does God expect of us. That's the these things in that passage. We're supposed to be teaching those to our children when we rise and when we go to bed and when we eat dinner, when we're walking in the way. We're always supposed to be teaching our children these things. And so that that's what we as Christian parents are supposed to be doing with our children. We're supposed to be raising up our children 
to know and love and worship and glorify God. That's the purpose that God created us for. And so discipleship is leading each other. So as we're 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 not just discipling when we're discipling with someone, uh, uh, say another adult, it's not a mentorship thing where I'm going to teach you. This is something we talked about in that other podcast was, but it's we're teaching each other as we're both focused on growing into Christ likeness. Well, with children, that's what, that's what you're doing. You are, you are taking these, these helpless little infants at birth and it's your responsibility to not only turn them into a responsible functioning member of society, but as a Christian, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be training them, train up your children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. It says in, in uh, uh, Proverbs, um, maybe that's Psalms. I can't remember. Proverbs. Um, but so we're supposed. To, that's our that's our job is to to raise up our children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord is another passage. And so just that discipleship is whatever we're doing, however we're, we're training our kids, the underlying goal of that is for them to see and understand who Christ is, who God is, and grow in Christ's likeness as a believer. Obviously, we can't make our children believe. And that's that's the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of somebody to, as it says in Ezekiel chapter thirty six, to take out that heart of stone and put in the heart of flesh. That's that aspect of changing the heart, which is something that you mentioned in your sermon today, is something that God does. But as parents, we're our, we're it is our job to instruct our children in that, and let and entrust the Holy Spirit to do His work in the 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 changing of the heart. But we still have the responsibility to raise our children, as it says, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That's discipleship of children. And, the, and, and that means, and I try to make this point in the message, that means that one of the most relevant verses, passages in the Bible that, regard, that is regarding discipling is also the most relevant verse regarding parenting, which is where Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew 28, saying, you know, make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them, so there is a sense in which we're helping our children move towards Jesus, make a statement about a commitment to Christ, and Jesus says in that passage, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, which is exactly what you're saying, which is exactly what God told Israel to do to in, in, in Deuteronomy 6-7, is that use every opportunity that you have while you're on the way, when you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed, you're using every opportunity um, to, to, to teach our kids who God is and what God expects of his servants. So what we spent some time in the message talking about uh, discipline. And Lord willing, if we, if we want to talk about that now, we can. But I want to spend a little bit of time thinking about formative elements of discipline. We, we talked in, in the sermon, I talked about corrective elements. So when your child disobeys, using that as an opportunity to administer the gospel, which mm-hmm. we can talk about that again. Uh, it's a big topic, and that's largely a part of what discipling is with regard to parenting. But there's all, it's not all that it is. There's also, mm-hmm. cor- there's also formative elements. And so one of the ways we, we talk about formative elements is family worship. 
And so what are some things that you and Alyssa have done? What are some rhythms in your family life for creating discipling, formative discipling moments with your kids? One thing that we do, uh, you mentioned family worship. So this is not something that we do every single night. Um, what? Stephen, it, it is you def- are an elder candidate at Cornerstone Church. You mean to tell me that you guys don't do family worship every single day? Yeah. <laughs> it's and that obviously that would be the goal, but you know I we understand that, you know, life is life and and there's there's things going on and you know, with a four-year-old and a and a two-year-old and a uh, eight-month-old, sometimes you get to that point in the evening where you're going to open up the Bible, and the savages have lost their minds, <laughs> and it's time for them to go to bed. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and so, or there's times where, honestly, I just don't feel like it, and mm-hmm. that's not the right attitude, but that's that's where we're at, you know, yeah. and and there's times I forget, or I I um, I'm on call for work multiple times throughout the month. I'm actually, as we're recording this, I'm on call right now. Um, so if there's an emergency water job or an emergency board up, I do insurance repair stuff. Um, I have to, I have to go. And there's been times where I don't get home till 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. Um, not very many of those, but nights like that, I, we, we obviously can't do, do family worship, but well, I appreciate you saying that because it's such, it's such a big, big point because I think sometimes when we talk, especially pastors sit around and talk mm-hmm. about doing family worship, it can come across or be received, I think, as like condemning. Like if you're not doing family worship every day with your kids, then you're a bad parent. So, so you do family worship with your kids every single day, correct? Of course I do. <laughs> yes, I'm a pastor. Are you kidding me? Um, it comes to the job. Uh, no, the reality is, is that uh, life does happen. You're exactly right. And the intention always is uh, to do family worship. But I think it gets to the spirit of Deuteronomy 6-7. The family worship is, uh, you know, it's it's like if you look back over your the last month of your life as a parent, and and you can't think of a time when uh, you got your kids together and the Bible was open and you were talking about the things of God, that might be an issue. Well, that is an issue. Uh, but it if if it's not every single day, I don't think that should be a condemning thing. I think the spirit of Deuteronomy six seven is that we're using every opportunity, and that's why I use that phrase rhythms. What are some of the things that you and Alyssa are doing, the regular rhythms of your life to disciple the three kids the Lord's well, given you? One one thing that we, the kids and I have been doing every pretty much every single night for the past while um, is at bedtime we listen to a story. Well, or I already read books, or I'll listen to we'll, we'll listen to something. Well, we've been working through Chronicles of Narnia, and if you've read, I know you have read, um, but. When you read that, that is obviously talking about Aslan is Christ, mm-hmm. you know, and and there's obviously um, pictures in there of of the Christian life and and who is Christ and all these kinds of things, and so I mean, that's a I under I, I know at this point in their lives they're not going to really get all that, but we're on book six of seven, you know, we've listened to. Um, I think it's 20-something hours so far of Chronicles of Narnia, cool. one chapter a night. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a rhythm that, that we have. Um, 
I made it my goal, and I think I, I think I achieved it. I have a, a, a book that my sister gave Waylon when he was born. It's 365 Bible stories, so one story a night, and you've read it through in a year. Well, my goal was to have that book read with the kids before they turned one. Just me with Asley or me with Waylon. Read all the way through it. The book's falling apart now. Hmm. Um, the whole binding's gone, and pages are missing, and stuff like that. Um, and then another another book that I've read straight through individually with the kids is the Jesus Storybook Bible. Tremendous book. Great, great, great book. Um, another thing that I've read with the kids is a book called, um, I think it's called The Biggest Story or The Greatest Story. It's uh, Kevin DeYoung, yeah. children's book. It's yeah. basically a, a biblical theology. So it kind of traces the themes of, of creation, fall, redemption, um, consummation that the, the themes of scripture traces those kind of in a storybook form uh, through the whole through the whole Bible. I've read that one with Waylon, um, cover to cover, and then there's a uh, an ABC book actually that goes along with it. So that's how I taught Waylon his ABCs. Is every night we would go through the ABC book, and it's uh, uh, A is for Adam and Eve, and B is for um, I don't remember them all now, but it's each letter represents part of that story that's in the, in the main thing. Um, and, uh, so we would, we would go through that every single night and that's how, I, that's how Waylon learned his ABCs. That's great. Um, and I, I'm, I need to get into that with Asley, uh, now, but, um, so there's, those are just some of the things that I've done. Uh, another thing is, uh, something called catechism. Um, what catechism is, is it's a, uh, it's a series of questions and answers. Uh, so I've, I've got the app loaded on my phone. I've got the app loaded on our tablet the at home. New city catechism. New city catechism. It's, it's, a, good a, one. it's a new one. Um, real simple. It's, you see, you have various questions. So question number one would be, what is our only hope in life and death? And so Waylon, I've worked with Waylon until he can give me the answers for these. And the, the, there's, there's children's answers and that is, uh, what is our only hope in life and death? The answer is that we are not our own, but belong to God. Uh, what is God? Is question two. God is the creator of everyone and everything. How many persons are there in God? There are three persons in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and it just, it, it kind of builds off of itself where you start with what is our purpose? And then that brings in the concept of God. What is God? Who is God? Um, what is what does God require of us? Uh, how and why did God create us? So it's it's kind of building on that thing and just teaching the basic biblical concepts to kids. And so we're we're now on one that's going to take well and quite a bit of time to to learn, and that is uh, the Ten Commandments. He's going to have to learn all ten um, of the Ten Commandments. And that's so we've been working on that for a little while, trying so he can try to memorize them. This As, is a this is a very new thing, catechism, right? Christians just started doing this like within the last, I don't know, what, five years? Oh, I don't know, maybe maybe 2000? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the catechism was was central to the church. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times when people hear the word catechism, they think of Catholic yeah. because the Catholics have their Catholic catechism. You know, the, the Catholics are just ones who, who held on to the, that tradition. But, I mean, if you look at the Reformers 500 years ago, pretty much all the reformers wrote a catechism. They all had catechisms for their churches. And the catechisms that they would write would be, they would take into account 
the situation in which they were in when they would write the questions and answers. Yeah. Um, so you have multiple historic catechisms, and then they found other catechisms that aren't um, maybe maybe didn't survive time. Right? They they were kind of lost in time. But you have you have big. T- uh, what did you get? The Heidelberg Catechism. You have, um, I have a copy of it and started working through it, but it's a little bit too advanced for Whalen at this point. But it's Keech's Catechism. It's a 1693 um, Baptist Catechism. You know, and it's. I love that what they, they used to do is they would, the, the pastors would visit the homes. They, mm-hmm. You know, pastoral visitation was a pretty regular part of church life. Yep. yep. And they would, they would ask how, they would ask the catechism questions to the kids in front of the parents. And this was a bit of a grade, not just for the kids. This was a grade for the parents. Mm-hmm. I think we should bring that back. Bro, I agree. Bro, we could like I agree. knock on our folks' doors. We're coming. Cornerstone, we're coming. Here we come. <laughs> no, but the idea, I love, I just want to say, um, I am so, I've known you for a number of years now, and I'm so deeply impressed by you and Alyssa and your ongoing consistency. I have noticed, I know you say, we don't do this regularly, but you literally just talked about, what, five different books and a catechism that you're sitting down, your kid's only four years old, and your oldest is only four years old, and you're working through these things, and I just want to commend you in that. I think it's tremendous, and I think we all have a lot to learn in that way. I know Sarah and I have been rather inconsistent over the years in our life, and... um, we we our rhythm is our rhythm is it changes our rhythm changes depe- depending on the kids' schedules. You know we have four kids and two are young and two are teenagers. And with our teenagers, it's a different kind of thing than we do with our younger kids. And and we used to do it before school, uh, before they would run off to to school. So five days a week, we would give a break on the weekend on Saturday, and then of course Sunday was uh, for Lord's you know worshiping here at the church, and. And, and so, but for the little ones, it was a little different then. It was more evening-based or whatever. Um, right now, uh, Sarah is working with the little ones through the New City Catechism, mm-hmm. and uh, they seem to 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 kind of resonate with it. And uh, so, it, it doesn't have to be. Everybody doesn't have to do it the same way. Uh, it can be. It can be customized to your kids. But the point is that parenting is discipling, and there are formative things that we're doing using mm-hmm. whatever opportunities the Lord gives us to find those gospel moments. I mean, I, w- before we get in, into that a little bit more, one, one encouragement that I would give is like, it, as, a, as a father, you're like, okay, so what do I do? Or as a mother, so what do I do to teach my kids? So, so do I have to, if we're going to do family worship, we're going to open up the Bible and talk about the things of God as what, what, the way you said it. How do I do that with my kids? I mean, my kids aren't that old, and, and I don't really know. I, I'm, I'm still learning this myself or, or whatever. The thing, like one of the things that I do, just to to help Waylon start learning how to listen for words, listen to to the word being read, is we just read Zephaniah as a family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working through the book of Joshua. Um, last year, a lot of murdering in Joshua, Steve. Yes, is that yes. wise? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so last year, what we did is um, we worked through. The Book of Psalms, um, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. We read all of those with the kids, and so we would we wouldn't read whole chapters at a time. We would read some nights it would be eight verses, some nights it would be just just a just a few verses, a paragraph is what we would read. 
And so what we did, um, and, and what we currently do, is I'll pick about, I'll, I'll look through the passage that we're going to read before, and I'll pick about four words out of the passage. Um, and I'll tell Waylon, okay, you're going to listen for these words. Um, and when I read them, you tell me. So that way he's he's listening. He's, he's paying attention. Um, and he might not look like he's paying attention. But that's something that's great about kids is studies have shown that kids see things in the background and hear things even when they're not doesn't look like they're paying attention far better than adults do. Yeah, they can they're they can hear and see and perceive things in spite of the fact that they don't look like they're even on the same planet. Right. Um, and so I'll just give four words and then I'll read it. And as I work through it, if I miss a word, I'll be like, well, and you missed it. And so I'll go back and I'll read through it again, see if you can find that word, whatever it is, you know? And one thing I've been trying to do is I'll kind of read through the passage. Okay. So kind of what's the, the, the main thrust and I'll pick out some words that kind of point to that main thrust. I mean, he, I don't think he'll understand that yet, but he's just, he's starting to learn that. Yeah. You know, and it's simple. Just listen for these words or. Or if your kid's a little older, listen for this, these phrases or these, these, this verse. And then at the end, if you have a little bit older kids who, who they're starting to think through those things, what, uh, what do you think that means? And, and, and you can just have a, just a brief conversation about it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be anything special. You don't have to spend half an hour, 45 minutes doing family worship. Take five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that it's. I'm glad you brought that up because it, it really is anything. It just it's something that any Christian can do, no matter how how much you know about the Bible, how much you don't know about the Bible. You can open the Bible, you can pick a passage, and we recommend as a church we always work through books of the Bible. Almost always work through books of the Bible. I recommend doing that with your kids. Just pick a book of the Bible you mentioned. A gospel. Gospel's good. Pick a gospel and read a chapter or read a heading. What I'll often do with the teenagers in the morning is you just read a heading in a gospel. And uh, we're, just work, we're just working through Matthew and read a heading. And uh, you're right. You're exactly right. Because when, when I'm sitting down with my younger two, it's more feeding them the information. Mm-hmm. You draw out little things that you might ask them. You know, you know, what did Jesus say about that? Jesus talked about this. What did he mean, do you think? And so it's that little bit of, it's mostly feeding. But as they get a little bit older, the conversation shifts and you just begin to, um, you begin to draw out from them and they begin to kind of engage with the text. They're Mm -hmm. sitting there in front of it. And it really isn't something that you need a Bible degree to do. You just need a Bible in front of you and a kid and a willingness. And recognizing that, that is one of the most important and formative things that you can do is just because you're teaching so many things when you do that. You're showing your kid the Bible is important. You're showing that the Bible is our authority. You're showing that Jesus is wonderful. And that you're showing that it's important for them as individuals to look to the Bible for life, for joy, for happiness, for instruction, for what pleases the Lord. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that uh, I, I tried to bring out of the text in, in verse 20 of chapter mm-hmm. 3. There's two parts to that verse. Children, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Yeah. And so as parents, it's it's part of the discipling process to make that connection between your your kids aren't just obeying you. They're obeying God. 
mm-hmm. that, that primarily that, obeying God. Yes. And when when you were you were preaching on that particular sec- section, um, and talking about you know kids sinning against you or whatever, and or, or just requiring obedience because you want to be obeyed, kind of a thing. I I mentioned to my wife as we were listening to it. I said, "The Psalm fifty one against you and you only have I sinned." Yeah. And and that's the psalmist speaking to God. That's David speaking to God after after his sin with Bathsheba and murdering Bathsheba's husband. And um, he said, "Against you and you only have I sinned." Mm-hmm. And uh, so I mentioned that. And then right after that, you brought it up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yeah." So, and that's yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. It's it's difficult because oftentimes I, I think back on in my own parenting, I have taken offense to my own. My kids' mm-hmm. sins against me, way before I've ever e- even considered that their sin is primarily a sin against God. And I think this just came to me. Um, that story in in Exodus, where Moses goes up on the mountain. This teaches us something important about prayer. So Moses is up on the mountain. He's receiving the the Ten Commandments from God. He's receiving the law from God. He's he spends forty days and forty nights up in the mountain, l- just receiving from God. And uh, he comes down, and there's there's the, the the camp is going nuts. They're worshiping an idol and all this kind of stuff. And and Moses flips out. He's like, "Look at this people that you're making me lead." Mm-hmm. Look at these kids that you gave me that I have to raise. Can you like look how bad they are, God? And what does God say to Moses? Now, Moses, you got to understand. You know they're young. No, God says, "All right, Moses, stand aside. I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth." Mm-hmm. And then Moses says, "Well, what about your name? What will the other? What will all the other nations say about you in this situation?" What God did in that situation is he, is he basically smacked Moses up the head and said, it's not about you. Yeah. It's about me and my glory. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to learn that as parents. Yeah. That when our kids have sinned against God, we, when we're at the point when we have to take on the responsibility of doing that corrective discipline, we're doing that with an eye always, with both eyes really, toward the cross mm-hmm. and saying, this isn't about me. This is about you and God. And God's God's been offended here. God's God's law has been broken. And you you need the gospel. Mm-hmm. So that's what we mean by taking those moments in parenting, corrective moments, formative moments, and pointing them to the gospel. Our kids need the gospel. Mm-hmm. If our kids are going to, uh, you know, you had mentioned earlier that we can't save our kids, but doggone it, we can get them as close as we can to the cross as often as we can. Every single opportunity we're given, we can get them to Jesus, and we can show them Jesus, and we can show them Jesus, and we can show them Jesus, and we trust that God will do as he has done throughout history, as he will change the heart, and he will give them that new heart. He will grant to them repentance, and they will believe, and they will be saved. Mm-hmm. It's really a, it, it's a privilege, parenting. Yeah. So what are some, some resources? We'll wrap this up now. What, what are some resources that you and Alyssa have found useful in parenting your children? I mean, one, one, thing, uh, one thing that Alyssa listens to um, is uh, it's a podcast called Risen Motherhood. Um, so if, for the late, I've listened to it. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then there, there's a couple other. You'd have to ask her what the other one is. Um, but that risen motherhood, it's it's a just a mom, and she she'll have different guests on. Um, if I'm remembering the correct correct podcast, but she has different guests on, and and she talks about parenting in light of the cross, in light of the resurrection, in light of the death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension of Christ. You know, that's that's, that's what I mean. Risen motherhood. I mean, and so there there's that. That's a great resource. Um, another thing is a, a book that you've actually got sitting right here. It's a book called. Uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. Um, Alyssa and I have, I think we've read about half of it together. Um, we need to get back into it. It's one that we started and then haven't uh, finished yet. But that great book, it's just, it, it's a paradigm shift. Yeah. To, to Instead of, you know, it, it just helps you think about the heart, which is what you were pushing today in your sermon, this one, one that you mentioned a lot, um, is we are, we are not trying to get our children to be obedient for obedience sake. We're, we're, we're trying to shape and mold their heart. And that's discipleship into Christ likeness. Yeah. That's, that's what that's about. Yeah. And his brother has a book here, which I have not read that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit more about this one, but this is Paul David Tripp. So you have Ted Tripp and you have Paul David Tripp, their brothers. Um, and this one's called Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles that can, re- that can Radically Change Your Family. You know, those, you know, it, just get online and look up Paul Tripp or, or Ted Tripp, and there are just videos of them. Great resource there. Um, you know, there there's, there's so many different, different things. Another one, I, I think you're, you're going to talk a little bit more about this one, but Trellis and the Vine. That's one that we read for pastoral candidacy. Yeah. Um, but it's a book about discipleship. And it it changes the way you think about discipleship. Yeah, Charles and Divine really is, good. Yeah, Charles and Divine was an, was a paradigm shift for me in in terms of my thoughts about ministry. And uh, I didn't expect this, but it it also changed the way I viewed parenting as well. Because the kind of premise of the book is that the main idea, the main point, it's not really a novel concept, but the main point of of ministry in the church is discipling ministry. It's about helping others follow Jesus, doing your part in, in thinking in that direction. In our current cultural Christian moment, though, that is a novel idea, mm-hmm. which is really unfortunate. Yeah, it really is unfortunate. Well, and it, it, I don't know if it's it was by intention or by accident or whatever, but growing up in church, I always thought that the biggest you know, the way you know that you're serving, you're being a good member of your church, is if you're uh, doing stuff, like you're serving on teams or you're doing some kind of, and the ministry was never, you know, geared towards discipling. Uh, so that's one of the paradigm shifts behind that book. Uh, but it, it, I, it, never, it never occurred to me until after I'd read the book and uh, was processing through the book that that's, a, that's also a paradigm shift for parenting, is that parenting is discipling the whole Christian life is geared towards towards that. So Charles Navine is a good resource. Um, if you know of any other resources, please um, uh, reach out and let us know. We're always, we're both parents, and we're always interested in learning more about uh, becoming good and faithful parents. And if you have any thoughts or questions about anything we discussed today, if you have any of those, any ideas of resources like Jamie just mentioned, um, you can head on over to cornerstonepickwood.org. Click the contact us link. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. 
and just search for Cornerstone Pequa. If you don't have a home church, we gather every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. You can find directions on the website. Grace and peace. Try not to lose my wings.